Well, Merry Christmas. Okay. Good seeing you all. Uh, and, and maybe some of us are joining through live stream right now, uh, whether in town or um, out of town. Uh, we're really glad that we got to uh, worship together right now. Uh, I hope everyone's, everyone's having a good weekend so far. Uh, I think uh, the weather has been pretty cold, so hope you're staying safe and warm. And also, I'm sure some of you guys had some celebration or different services with your families for Christmas Eve last night, perhaps. I hope that that was a blessing as well. Uh, for those of us who might be new, I think I see a few new faces. Uh, my name is Aiden. Uh, I'm pastor of this church. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, so today is uh, Christmas Day, and uh, Last week, last Sunday, we looked at a uh, Christmas passage from Isaiah 9. And today, uh, being the, the very day of Christmas, uh, we're going to continue on uh, in another uh, traditional Christmas passage uh, found in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. So if you could turn with me uh, to that passage, I'll be reading it for us. And then we'll, I'll just pray quickly one more time and uh, go into the time of the word. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. You can look at the screen and follow with me. There you go. Thank you. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Uh, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and uh, ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Uh, And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense, incense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. That is God's word. Uh, Please bow your heads with me one more time, and let's uh, come to God together and ask God. Um, to uh, speak to us through this time. Father, uh, thank you for this time again. Thank you that your word is living and active. 
And I pray that your spirit may um, have, our come, have our hearts come alive uh, so that uh, these words may not remain as words on a page, uh, but it will um, invade our hearts and pierce our hearts so that our hearts may change, our lives may be transformed and, and grow for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Three points, uh, as usual, um, for this passage. Uh, those are uh, know the true king, submit to the true king, and make known the true king. And that the, the title for this message is the birth of the true king. First, know the true king. Verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, just like any good storyteller would do, Matthew, our our author for this book, is giving us the setting, the backdrop of this story. That is, Jesus has been born by this time in, in the town of Bethlehem on Christmas. Uh, and the, the reigning king, reigning ruler of this region of Judea at the time was Herod. And in this setting, now a certain wise men from the east have arrived in the capital city of Jerusalem. Uh, just for your information, Jerusalem is about six miles north of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Uh, so that's the, the setting here. And now we continue on in this story to see what is going to happen. So verses 2 and 3, it says, The wise man saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Here I want you to see that this is rather a comical scene, though a bit dangerous. Here's what I mean. If you pay attention to some of the words that are being repeated, one of the words is king, next to the word or the name Herod. Uh, He keeps repeating that Herod is the king of the land on paper, officially. You know, Herod, just for your uh, background information, you know, he considered himself a king and, uh, and the people of the land acknowledged him, but not willingly. Here's what happened. You know, he was a very uh, skillful and powerful man. Uh, you know, he was very politically savvy as to you know, maintain a good relationship with the Roman Empire at the time. And the empire, in return, you know, allowed, him to be, allowed him to remain as king in the land. Uh, all the while, Herod went crazy. He was a, kind of a control freak, so he went as far as uh, murdering his own wife and sons to secure his power, you know, his throne for himself. So somehow, you know, through all these efforts, you know, he was a king. He was uncontested king in the region, and people did not question his authority lest they die. To that situation, to that kind of king, here comes uh, uh, the, the wise man, saying, asking, where is the king that has been born? It's like they're telling him to his face, you're fake. Where is the real one? 
show us. And of course, Herod is freaking out and even furious. But Matthew is about to tell us that indeed, there is another king who is true and legitimate, uh, unlike Herod. So let's read verses uh, 4 through 6. Uh, it uh, says, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written in, by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Uh, here the religious leaders, you know, who are familiar with the Old Testament, obviously, are, are quoting and in fact paraphrasing uh, from these two Old Testament passages, uh, namely Micah 5.2 and 2 Samuel 5.2. Uh, in these passages and also uh, many other Old Testament passages uh, prophesied that God would send the Messiah. That's Hebrew word, uh, which is translated Christ in Greek. That the Messiah would come and deliver his people from all miseries, and he will rule over uh, his people Israel with the justice and righteousness. And there was a promise. And more specifically, the town of Bethlehem was prophesied to be the birthplace of the king. So therefore, the king who has just been born in Bethlehem uh, must be the legitimate king who has the seal of approval from God. And that is Jesus, not Herod. Herod must be, in the eyes of God, a pretend illegitimate king. I think to say more plainly than that, you know, Jesus alone is the king who rules over us with genuine care and love, and only in him we can find true hope and satisfaction, while all the other rulers and kings are, are fake in that sense, because at the core they don't care about us. They only you know, rule for their own gain. Uh, for the next slide, um, I don't know if you have seen the movie Thor Ragnarok. Is that how that works? How that is pronounced? Ragnarok? I don't know. I didn't look it up. So, so that movie, uh, if you know the story, there's a Loki and uh, his brother Thor. And, okay. And um, there's Odin. That's the father. He's the king, right? Uh, but then in this scene, in the movie, uh, you know, Loki is disguising himself as his father Odin, um, and he's reigning over the kingdom Asgard in his place. So as you can see here in this picture, he's lying on his couch, he's eating these grapes, and he's watching this uh, like theater play uh, that is basically like telling the stories, glory, glorious stories of Loki. Because, you know, he's Loki, right? He's telling the people about how great he is and things like that. And then, maybe next slide, uh, his brother Thor shows up and he rebukes him. 
um, in front of everybody, you know, for not reigning for the well-being of other people that are under him and the, for the well-being of the kingdom. And finally, you know, he reveals the identity of uh, Loki in front of people uh, to their dismay. And this is a good illustration of uh, kings of the world. You know, they all um, rule over us and they, you know, vie for our devotion and worship. And when I say kings, I'm, I'm thinking about things too, things that vie for our attention and devotion. And let me give some examples here, but uh, there are things like that and there are people like that. But they're all doing that, not out of concern for us, but for their own profits. So, for example, for some of us, these things, these kings, uh, might be in our career and our career goals, um, because it is the king that dictates our emotion. Our emotion goes up and down depending on how we are doing in our jobs. For some of us, you know, money uh, is the king that dictates our decisions and you know everything that we do. And for others of us. Maybe some romantic relationships and you know family goals might be the king that entices our hearts. You know these are powerful things, and we have to admit that, and good things too, and they are promising. You know if we get those things, if we have those things in a row, we will be happy. That's the hope. But if you have lived long enough, you know they fail us. Because they don't care about us. They don't. They rule over our decisions and emotions, but they don't care about us. And that points to the true king, Jesus, who truly shepherds his people out of real concern and with righteousness and love for us. And to him alone, we are to turn. Know the true king on this Christmas. Second, submit to the true king. So now let's look at the various people in the story you know, about how they respond to the birth of Jesus. So please follow with me. There are two groups that we're going to look at really quick, Herod and the religious leaders. First, Herod. Let's see how, how he responds. Verse 7 and 8, it says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found them, bring me worse, so that I too may come and worship him. Uh, you can can hear the suaveness you know, of, of this guy. You know, he is very uh, skillful and, uh, again, very politically savvy. He sounds very reasonable here, but obviously he's uh, lying, he's deceiving uh, the, the wise men. Because we see in, down in verse 16, where he says, Then Herod, when he saw that he, he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region, who were two years old or younger or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise man. Wow. When he was asking 
for the information about the, the appearance of the star um, you know, from the wise man. He sounded innocuous on the outside, but he was preparing murder. He was planning the murder of this child um, and even planning a genocide to accomplish his purposes. Why? Because he felt threatened. In his mind, he has to be the sole king of the land and in his life. Nobody can get in the way. And when somebody gets in the way, kill him or kill her. It's all about him, himself, and what he wants. How about the, the leaders, the religious leaders in Jerusalem? Uh, we really read how they responded earlier. And there we saw that they had all the right answers. They had the knowledge about the Old Testament, and they accurately described the, the birthplace of the Messiah, namely Bethlehem. They had it all. But the problem is, we see that they're not accompanying the wise men to find the Messiah. It's absurd if you think about it, because they're telling them where the treasure is, and they're telling them, you'll find it, but they're not going there with them. The, the, the reason why they didn't go with them is likely because deep inside of their hearts, they didn't need or want the Messiah in their lives. They must have been comfortable with what they already have or where they are, especially their position of power. So why, why would we change the status quo to find this Messiah? We, we don't want any disturbance here. So you see, both Herod and the religious leaders you know, respond to the birth of Jesus with one aggression and apathy because for both of them, you know, they want to keep themselves in the center of their lives. They want themselves to be the kings of their lives. Who has the shots? Who, who, who call the shots and, you know, who, um, can do whatever they want? They don't want the Messiah. Why would they want to submit to another king when they are themselves? Uh, for the next slide, um, the, the Queen Elizabeth II um, has passed away uh, recently, this year. And uh, there are a lot of things that she's known for, but I think one thing that uh, many people may not know is she's, a, she's, a, she's known for her very devout, you know, personal faith in Christ. And I have a friend who's English, and you know, he always bragged about how um, you know, faithful she is in her daily walk and things like that. So it's kind of like a national pride for Christians, I think, in, in England. Um, and in the year 2000, she said uh, this quote, this statement. She said, for me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to live my life. This is a public interview that she did at the time. And if you think about it, if you think about her position and you know who she is, this is a very profound saying. 
Uh, I mean, if you know, to be sure, if you know the, the British political system, the, the monarchs in England uh, do not have the real political power. It's more symbolic. And yet, they're still kings and queens. Uh, they still have the huge influence over uh, their people, you know, enormous power over the nation and even the world because there are still many uh, British Commonwealth countries or all around the world. So put yourself in her shoe. If you have that kind of power and influence, you know, many of us would be tempted to use that for ourselves. You know, we would use the, that prestige to serve ourselves and do whatever we want to do according to our own rules and our own standards, right? And that's exactly what Herod and the, the leaders did. You know, they had no accountability. They had their own accountability as, you know, themselves, and they didn't want any other people to um, rule over them. They just wanted whatever they wanted. And as a result, you know, people around them, under them, suffered. They languished. In contrast, this queen, uh, what she's saying in this statement is that for her, Christ is her king, and he is her accountability, and she is conducting her life in submission to his standards, his will, as opposed to what she wants. And as a result, I would argue that many benefited from her rule. I think I haven't met that many people, or not, not a single one, that criticized her after she died. A lot of people praised her because of her character. And that comes from the divine accountability that she always felt about every corner of her life. You see, the measure of one's faith, mine and your faith, is shown through our willingness to submit ourselves to Christ in every area of our lives. Um, a, a very well-known Christian apologist named uh, Lee Strobel once said in one of his books that he observed uh, you know, people who do not um, get over the hump and become, a, become Christians. Uh, he found out that uh, you know, it's not because they haven't found many evidences of Christ. It's not because they you know, couldn't believe uh, for a lack of you know, proofs for Christ. They have. Uh, but he found that the reason why they don't become Christians is because uh, they understand that if they commit to Christ, then they have to rearrange their lives uh, to live differently. Because that's what it means to be under his kingship. And he found that they do not want to do that, and they remain where they are. And at least they have integrity to do so. Um, again, that's what Herod and the leaders were like. They refused to have Christ over their head because they didn't want to rearrange what they want. They want the status quo where they're the kings and queens. So in light of this line of thinking then, uh, the question I want us to ask at this point is, how about us? Whether you're a Christian or not in this room, or even online too, 
Um, the question is, will I accept Christ's accountability over every aspect of my life? Will I choose to do what he says over what I sinfully desire, especially in the difficult areas of, of my life? Some examples here. Will I forgive the difficult people in my life? I'm pretty sure if, you, if I give some time, there are going to be some list of people in your head right now. If I say, forgive somebody, who is it? And I'd argue that we're living in a culture where you know, people, perhaps me included, are very easily offended. You can never offend me. That's the air that we breathe in. And in there, how would you react to the call to forgive other people, even your enemies? And of course, there's a room for seeking justice. We have to as Christians. We're not talking about condoning injustice. But as you do that, the Bible says over and over that in your heart, you are to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. Again, in that area of your heart, will you forgive, will you obey Christ? Or will you um, stay in your bitterness and, and hurt and turn to gossip? Or will you obey? That's a question. Other examples, you know, will I fight lust towards other people? Will I fight jealousy in my heart? You know, will I make decisions not out of fear of people, but make hard decisions for the fear of God? You know, Christmas in this passage teaches us that for Christ to be our king, for our faith to grow, there has to be obedience that shows our whole allegiance to our king. Submit to the true king. He'll make it joyful in obedience. Thirdly, make known the true king. Now, the story ends this way, so follow with me. Verses 9 through 12, it says, After listening to the king, uh, they went on their way, and behold, a star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So the star that they saw in their own country appeared again, and they, the, the star supernaturally guided them to where the child was. And they found the child and his family, and they fell down before them, and, and um, they worshipped Jesus. And it seems like a very heartfelt worship because you see the line that says they were exceedingly joyful. It was a genuine worship towards the king that they were looking for. 
here, what's ironic is this. I want you to get this. What's ironic that I believe Matthew is trying to emphasize here is that the wise men are not Jews. When Jesus was supposed to be the king of the Jews. The wise man, or some translations translated uh, magi, if you're familiar with uh, that, growing up perhaps, it says they're from the east. Likely they're, they're from Babylon, not from Israel, which is you know, modern-day Iraq, Babylon. Um, but they must have been familiar with the Jewish theology, but they're not Jews. Um, but they came to Jerusalem uh, anyway. And, but, but rather, they, they're, they seem to be more into astrology, which is prohibited in the Old Testament. So they're pagan Gentiles. They're looking at the stars and the signs, so they're, they're not Jews. Um, what's interesting is that in the story, the Jews, the, the his people, God's people, Herod and the, the religious leaders, they're rejecting Jesus. Their king, while the, the Gentiles, the wise men, come and worship him with their whole heart. Such irony here. Matthew is really drawing that out for us. I think what it shows is that God's kingdom uh, surely has its root in Israel. There's no doubt about that. You know, they're the, the people of God. Um, but the kingdom of God was never meant to be closed off and isolated for those people. The kingdom of God was meant to uh, go beyond that and include people from all nations, Gentiles, who would accept Jesus and worship him as their king. And get this, Matthew signals this purpose of God's kingdom by first starting his gospel in Matthew 1 with the genealogy of Jesus that includes some Gentiles like Ruth. And then fast forward, he ends his gospel, he ends his book with the what? The Great Commission that says, go and make disciples of all nations. For Matthew... And for everyone, for every Christian, um, the kingdom is not about just few people, just one exclusive group. It's for all nations to enjoy and you know, come join. The quick question we have to ask before we go on is, how shall Jesus accomplish this inclusion of all nations, people from all nations and all backgrounds? The answer is, through the cross. It's not just cheap entrance. Oh, just come in. No, no, no. That's injustice. God's a holy God. You cannot accept people just for free because we're all sinners. The only way sinners from all nations, including Jews and Gentiles, can come is when they accept the offer of the cross. And what's powerful is that, you know, in in the story, we see the title of Jesus, right? king of the Jews, the same Greek words appear in none other than on the cross. Do you remember? In the story where 
uh, the pilot wrote the title of Jesus in a mocking way, but God was sovereign over that. It says, King of the Jews on the cross. Meaning, Jesus, as a king who truly cares for his people, was dying for whoever would put their faith in him and worship him as king. So that, through his death, again, people from all nations, from any background, could put their faith in Christ and made righteous and become included in the kingdom. Christmas shows that Jesus has come to draw sinners like you and I from all nations, from the whole world. Um, maybe go to the next slide. Um, uh, in Acts 1.8, uh, Luke, who is the author of Acts, uh, gives us his version of the Great Commission. Uh, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And I was reading a uh, devotional article uh, on this website called Our Daily Bread, which is an excellent uh, devotional uh, website if you're interested. Uh, and somebody wrote an article on this passage as a devotional. And here, how, here's how, how, how that goes. So let me just share the block of uh, paragraph here about this passage. The author said, It was my first day of class at the Moscow uh, Bible Institute, where I was teaching Russian pastors. I began by asking the students to give their names and where they served. But one student shocked me as he boldly declared, of all the pastors, I am the most faithful to the Great Commission. And I was taken aback momentarily until, smiling, uh, the student um, uh, continued, saying, The Great Commission says we are to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I passed her uh, north of the Arctic Circle in a village nicknamed the end of the earth. And everyone laughed, and we continued with the session. And the rest of the article talks about uh, what this village is. Uh, the student was apparently ministering in this far north area in Russia called uh, Yamal uh, Peninsula, uh, which, which literally means the end of the world. So he was right. He wasn't joking about that. And I actually looked up the area uh, online and you know, watched some videos of the region. It's a tundra, you know, where it's so cold and, you know, all covered in snow so that, you know, you cannot drive like normal car. Uh, your all-wheel drive won't do. You have to uh, ride on, you know, snowmobile or some sort. I think next, I think I have a picture for that. There you go. So honestly, throughout the video, I was like, man, that's uninhabitable. It's crazy that people live there. But then part of me realized, like, that's kind of, that kind of looks like Minnesota, kind of. But anyways, um, it's just really cold. It's like far north and, you know, it's like close to the, you know, Arctic Circle and stuff. And it's, it's just 
you know, crazy to live there, but people still live there. But what's more incredible than people living there is that the gospel, just like this pastor declares, the gospel is being preached and shared and ministered to the people there. I think it showcases to me and even warms my heart to see that truly the kingdom of Jesus Christ indeed goes to the end of the end of the world. In this case, literally, as we saw, but it does. Every corner of the planet, there is gospel being preached by faithful workers. It's incredible. It shows again God is a is a global God. He cares about everyone on earth. And let me end with the two implications from this truth that there's a global scope of God's kingdom here. First implication is that this means that anyone, anyone, anyone is welcome in this kingdom. It doesn't matter your racial, ethnic, or cultural backgrounds. It doesn't matter your personality, how quirky you are. It doesn't matter how sinful your past might be. This kingdom, because of uh, the sacrificial death of Christ, anybody's welcome to put their faith in Christ and be included and live for Jesus as their king. Anybody's welcome. And I encourage for those of us who might be joining us, again, in person or through online, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, just know that the offer is wide open. Doesn't matter who you are. You're welcome. And second implication of Christmas and what we've been talking about is this, and I'll end with this, is that those who are believers in Christ must never be closed off, but must always be welcoming and be seeking to open the door to the outsiders. We should not miss this about Christmas. And guess what? That goes along with what we talked about earlier, how uh, being Christ followers means you invite Christ in every corner of your life to be your accountability and to follow his will and command. And guess what? One of the commands is the Great Commission. (laughs) Go and make disciples. That's not an option. It's a command. Will we obey? Or will we ignore that like Herod did? We should heed that commission and take to our heart as we go back to our callings and people that God sovereignly placed in, in our lives. Your coworkers, your friends, your family members, your whoever is in your life that you rub shoulders with. God put them there in your life so you can obey and live out your life in Christ so they see who Christ is. And guess what? At that point, you are being their star. (laughs) What do I mean? Star in the passage, right? The star that guided them to Jesus. 
God is calling you to be the star in the, the people in your life that leads them to Christ. So may we see who true king is, how he's the, the only king that we can rely on for our you know, satisfaction and joy, and may we submit our whole life to him together on this Christmas. Let's pray. I think one thing I appreciate about Christmas, um, although it can be a point of um, criticism, uh, is the the practice of gift giving. Um, I think there's definitely room for commercialism for sure. Um, But I like the fact that there's a concept of gift there because uh, the whole Christmas is all about God giving the greatest gift of all to humanity. Jesus was born as a gift towards us. So that people like you and I can receive it and be included in the kingdom and start living for the true king who cares for us. My goodness. Perhaps the only gift that we need in our lives. So, can we meditate on that? Perhaps think about how much God loves you. To even sit down uh, under His Word right now and get to hear that um, He is your true Shepherd who searched for you, found you, and drew your heart. Um, to his message so we can live a life that is meaningful and, and, and worthy so before we uh, respond with the songs let's, let's perhaps pray for gratitude um, pray for heart that is warmed up to God's offer before we pray for anything else can we do that? let's pray as we receive God's grace, I think one thing that I want to encourage us to do right now is um, just think about perhaps one area in your life um, where uh, this passage might apply to, uh, meaning um, for, for Jesus to be your king, uh, what has to change in that area of your life? Um, you know, whenever we have people over at our place um, you know we have to clean up our house right um, I'm sure many of us have an exper- experience like that um, where you have to look around and see you know what you need to uh, do to make things look more neat uh, about your house um, so you can um, you know be a blessing to the, your guests and things like that and uh, I think Perhaps right now, I'm inviting us to um, look at our lives um, just as we would look at our house or 
uh, your your apartment um, where you want to um, do something about. <laughs> um, and as you do that, you know what are the corners of your house of your life um, that is not aligned with uh, what God wants for you in His Word. Um, maybe some of us are thinking, "Wow, there are so many." <laughs> uh, perhaps, uh, but just think about one. And um, and as you do that, uh, the, the goal of my question is not for you to feel bad. Um, But I really hope that uh, that area that is standing out right now in your mind will be a a prayer topic and prayer request, uh, perhaps throughout this week. Um, Just asking God, because our growth happens by God's hand, not just by us trying hard. Uh, That's not what we are about. Uh, We are about relying on God. Um, and God shows us where, where we need to work on and by His strength day by day we try to grow in that area and just think about that as your prayer topic what would that be? and uh, uh, could we just spend this, this few moments uh, praying that God would um, you know, give you strength and conviction about that one area that you want to change um, and let's keep praying uh, throughout the week and You never know what God can do to bring change and transformation in that area. So can we do that just for a few moments? And I'll just quickly uh, close for us and uh, give benediction, but let's come to God together, who alone has the strength to change us. Father, um, thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you are um, really the being that uh, brings about the change, that we don't have to somehow um, go beyond our capacity to bring about change, but you are the one that grows us. So thank you for listening to our prayers just now and help us to rely on you this week uh, as we uh, would like to do that uh, for the, the whole new year. that's coming up uh, with, uh, after this week, God. Uh, but thank you for your faithfulness uh, towards us uh, that uh, we can uh, testify to uh, this, about this past year. I pray that you would uh, help us this week as we uh, go about our days and week. Uh, may we get to uh, remember um, you know, what you have done for us this past year and the uh, pray for that one area that we just prayed about um, and uh, really got to uh, rely on you and become uh, people who uh, have grown just a little bit holier this week because of your word, because of our reliance on you. So we can be pledging to you, God, and that we get to see uh, and experience your joy uh, in becoming more like your son this week, God. 
Now, as we uh, trust and believe and rely on Christ uh, for our growth and uh, us becoming more like Him this week, uh, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let's be seated.